The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. So I'm super excited about this next interview with Philip Del Vecchio, who's Program Director of Venture Out. You know, we think about market research from the operational process, the execution, the insights. But, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to work with Philip and really work with entrepreneurs entering the space from a tech perspective. And as we continue to see the landscape changing, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of research companies, boutique or even larger companies to partner with some of these startups and to be able to combine both technology and research to deliver uh, valuable information to clients. So I think sharing this program, sharing this interview with our listeners will give people an idea of, number one, a place to potentially reach out to if they're interested in learning more about some of these entrepreneurs that are have compelling tech and might be a fit for the research industry. But overall, how uh, venture out is working and what types of new things they're seeing on the horizon and things that we might need to keep track of in our industry. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Well, I'm really excited to be here. I have Philip Del Vecchio, Program Director of Venture Out. Welcome, Philip. Time to welcome this week's data guru. Hi, thanks for having me. Philip, I know you and I met not too long ago, actually, maybe six, eight weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. That was during the program that we ran. Yeah. So, so Philip, I know I, I am really intrigued with your role at Venture Out. But before we get into that, um, can you just share with our listeners what Venture Out is? Absolutely. So Venture Out is an accelerator that serves to help host seed startups from all over the U.S. and all over the world enter the New York City tech ecosystem and grow and scale here. So we work with not just companies coming from around the U.S., but we also focus a lot on companies who are outside the U.S. as well. Are there specific countries you guys focus on, or is it really any country? We are, we are mostly working with European countries, and that's just mainly because the markets are very similar. Um, but we, when we are looking for startups and inviting startups to apply, we have people apply from all over the world. Okay. And so your day-to-day responsibilities include what as it relates to Venture Out? That is a good question. It's, there's quite a bit. So the, the sort of original definition of my title was to operate everything that had to do with our programs that we run. So we run these week-long programs on average two times a month, but we're also currently doing a three-month accelerator. Currently, my role is somewhere around like an operations management or director of operations role. So I manage the, all of the team, the interns that we work with, the relationships with our clients and our partners, sponsors, uh, alumni that we have through our programs. And then I also do a lot of the ideation and execution of our actual uh, program that we do for the startups. Well, that sounds like a startup role. At, just the <laughs> yeah, likes of it. Yeah. it sounds so exhilarating, everything. actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I noticed you also you majored in Chinese. Is that right? Yeah, so I actually majored in computer science and then minored in in Chinese, but I speak Mandarin Chinese. So do you work with companies in China or not really? 
So, you know, it, when I first started with Venture Out, one of the kinds of pitches that I had for my role was to focus a lot on, on that region. Uh-huh. We've been working, our, I have been working really hard on developing relationships for programming in China. It's a little bit more challenging because the Chinese ecosystem is already so robust. And so a lot of startups who are already there see, don't see a, a ton of value or, or necess- necessity to come to the U.S. until they're way beyond what we would normally do for nurturing. Usually like once they've gotten to like a series C or a series D stage, they'll say, okay, let's go to the U.S. now because they can do that in their own market. That makes sense. But there are other ways to partner with China. And I think it's a very important thing, especially because it's personally relevant to me. And that's what I'm exploring right now is different kinds of programming besides just early stage startup acceleration. That sounds fantastic. And I know that we kind of partnered on a program specifically targeted to the market research in- industry. How did that come about? I, I know I was, I was excited to be invited and participate, but just by way of background, how did that come about? It's a lot of fun when we're, when we're working out new programming and partnerships because you never really know where they're going to come from. Right. We actually got, originally got introduced to Rolf Swinton, who helps run the uh, IIEX Accelerator. Um, through a retail-focused program that we did back in April of 2017, who was a connection through a friend, who was a friend of someone else, one of those things. And Rolf was great. We did a really interesting private reception where we had a discussion with him and Pano Anthos, who's the head of XRC Labs, which is the retail tech accelerator. And the conversation was about data in retail. So it was about the kind of consumer analytics and market research space. Rolf reached out to me after that program and said, I really like what you guys are doing. We do other things in the consumer insights and the market research space. Let's find a way to partner. And that's kind of how the, this week-long program focused on that sector uh, came about. We're not market research experts ourselves at Venture sure. Out, but um, the IIEX guys and the Green Book guys, those are, those are like the real experts. And so they kind of helped us get connected with people like yourself to to enrich the program. Got it. And when you look at companies, and, and I know all the people that I met, they were great. They were fantastic. And it was nice to see that some of the companies were farther along and others were, you know, still still in those early stages. And it kind of, it was reminiscent. I felt a little reminiscent just hearing their stories in terms of where their business is and where they wanted to go. What's the criteria that you typically look at for companies to participate in these programs? Yeah, we, you know, we have a few different criteria that for in the beginning when we're doing our research are just sort of standard. One is we, we do typically look for post-seed companies okay. who have some kind of traction, and that can be user growth or revenue. The reason that we do that is because typically when we have companies coming from abroad, in order for them to really be ready for the U.S., they do typically, and this isn't all the time, but usually need some kind of traction. And that's just to sort of help the investors kind of see the 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 fit there, but also to, it, it's not easy and it's not cheap to kind of move markets, right? Sure. So we're looking for post-seed companies and, and also a lot of our mentors in our network are looking for that kind of stage as well. We look for a, a good sector fit. So we actually have a pretty extensive research process that we go through a few months before the program to search for all of the kinds of startups who are in that sector space, whether it be consumer insights, retail, health tech, whatever program we're running. And that is through a, a, very, a varying amount of different processes that we use to filter through different keywords and we use different platforms as well. Once they have applied, there is a little bit more kind of qualifying that we do. Okay. Um, that has to do with just making sure that they're really a fit for the program. And so we interview everybody who we think is a fit before doing it and that helps us narrow it down. 
and that's done by our director of business development. But beyond uh, interviews, we also, through our application process, will be able to kind of get a better idea of where their startup is at, right? So we ask them, we ask them what their funding is, but we also ask them about traction and business model and, and expansion interests just to make sure that they fit into our, our sort of sweet spot. For that's great. And, and I know a lot of the, the, the companies are based in tech, right? That, that is the base criteria as well. Yep. Yeah. So that's, sorry. I, I always sort of just automatically <laughs> assume that, but it is, it's all, all tech focused. Now we, we have had for like retail, we've had brands and consumer product goods come through that are like slightly a deviation, but it's usually some kind of technology backed company. Yes. That makes sense. What new, t- I, I know in research, everybody's talking about blockchain. We're talking about machine learning, artificial intelligence. I think that's everywhere, quite frankly, not just in research, but what are you seeing in terms of you know, what technologies are more, more prominent now or than, than in the past? Are you seeing a trend of any kind? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned blockchain is because it's sort of like it has the to get mentioned at yeah, least exactly. once in every conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, so again, I, I would say I'm not a, an expert in these trends. I, I, I actually love learning about it myself and I follow various, you know, different blogs and newsletters that help me keep up to date. But I think you're right um, in saying that AI is, is a very, you know, big space right now. I think recently it was maybe CB Insights or somebody came out with a research paper about how that the investments are now booming for AI. And right. Running an AI program in a couple of weeks. Blockchain is very, is very hot right now. Definitely a lot of hype. Right. I, I am a believer of the technology, so I do think that I do think that down the road it's going to have a great impact on a lot of different sectors. And we are looking into running programs in the blockchain space mainly because we, we want to do things that will enrich the community and what the community in New York City is looking for, and that's what people are interested in. In terms of other sectors beyond that, I you know for for new the new ones that I are sort of slowly starting to be taken on are sort of the obvious ones right i mean autonomous driving is is yeah. is hitting a pivot point i think where now everybody is is on track there despite sure. some of the recent news of of yeah. you know it actually being dangerous which yeah. i was kind of waiting for it I, I figured it would happen eventually and it you know it's too bad and hopefully you know they'll be able to come up with a solution beyond that and then Cybersecurity, I think, is another really, really big one that is maybe not as, as media focused, right. but because of you know, all of the things that have happened recently, it will be very quickly. And it's already for the one people that really you know, matter when it comes to cybersecurity, like in government, right. and they're very interested in this space and they, they know it's very, very important. In fact, the New York City Economic Development Corporation recently put out a really big RFP for a, for a cybersecurity focused. Wow. What is it? Cybersecurity. It was a cybersecurity space, an accelerator, a few other uh, substreams as well. So, and we're excited about that that space as well. We'll probably be running a cybersecurity program towards the end of this year. I actually think that probably going to rise in importance, especially as consumers are also getting more and more concerned. I think you know the first data breaches that were experienced. I don't know. My sense were consumers thought, oh, it's an anomaly. It's not going to happen. Whatever. But I think at least in the folks that I've talked to, it feels like it's becoming more and more. T- top of mind. And so I think I agree with you. I think that's going to be more, more and more relevant. Might not be the sexiest thing, but yeah. it's definitely- well, that, you know, sorry. Um, yeah, I, no worries. I, I actually, I agree with you in that way. In fact, I spoke with Justin Creamer, who's the VP of the New York City EDC. And I, I said the same thing to him. I said, Hey, when do you think pe- like cybersecurity is obviously a huge issue, but right. what is it going to take for people to really pay attention? Because 
things like Equifax can happen, yeah. it, it seems like overnight people just forgot about it or, you know, and the impact, the potential impact of that is, is massive. And, uh, you know, he said to me that there are things going on that are potential cybersecurity issues that people are just not aware of that could have catastrophic Devastating. effects on. Yeah. And so I hope that that's something like that doesn't need to happen for the like, rest of the world to sort of say, okay, let's this. And I think the way it seems is that people are catching on quick enough to where we will start investing more heavily in cybersecurity to circumvent any real catastrophe happening in order to kind of, you know, accelerate that experience. So it, but it is very, you're right. It's not sexy and it's not something that people are like, Ooh, wow. Let's yeah. Cybersecurity. Let's, let's, let's go get into do that, that space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally. Well, that's the other thing. It's also very hard to find really good engineers in cyber. And so that was one of the things that the New York City uh, EDC is trying to solve is, is really helping to nurture I'm curious, you mentioned engineers, you know, as you think about the entrepreneurs that you've worked with in your program, what types of degrees or background do do people typically have? Are they really the tech engineers that are now turned entrepreneur or is it partnerships with with tech and business? What are you seeing in terms of those those startups that you work with? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Definitely not super sure about, you know, whether there's a correlation between like what someone majored in, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in college or anything. One thing that I've noticed is that, you know, you're, and this is probably something that is pretty in uh, general for most people, but like most CEOs have some sort of sales savvy. And so they're just, they're able to engage in a lot of different environments where they're selling to clients or working on partnerships. And then typically if they have a tech background, it does give them a, a level up on the, on the competition. In fact, I've, I did have, I don't remember who it was, but I did have one investor say that their VC firm really likes when there's co-founders where one of them is a CTO type founder, where they're the ones developing the tech. And that's just, and that's sort of fairly obvious reasons, right? When you're coming up with a business and you have to outsource your tech to someone else, it's hard to have control over what that and the end game is for that. So when you have someone who's developing the proprietary tech in-house and they're, they have a co-founder stake, then there's, there's less risk there for investors, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and actually, when you're first starting out, like your tech and whatever you're building is really your product. Mm-hmm. And, and you go early days, your product focus, and then you, then you scale into kind of, you know, multiple product lines, clients and business. So I, I, right. I completely agree with that. And, and what do you think that, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see with the companies that you've interacted with outside of, you know, obviously getting funding? <laughs> are, are, there, are there themes that you see, see or, or any you consistent know, issue? You know, it's funny, you know, we always, with all of our uh, alumni and our companies, we have exit interviews where we talk to them about, you know, what their biggest needs are and their biggest problems are. And Honestly, it's, it is always funding, you know, it's like, it's always capital. Now I am not, I don't think that that's always the only way or maybe even the best route to go. There's a lot of, you know, challenges to raising funds and, and, you know, you've got to deal with equity and then board seats and there's all these different things, you know, and, but when you need it, you need it for, for various companies, you know, beyond that, I think one thing that I've noticed oftentimes is that with founders, I think they, they have a really good idea and they, or maybe they have a really good business already, but they, they're hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm not sure about what 
needs to be done to get around that wall. Sometimes that wall is a signal that, that you need to pivot. Sometimes right. that wall is a signal that you maybe misjudged your product market fit. You know, there's, there's a, so many different components. I, and I'm not sure about this, but I wonder if one of the biggest issues that CEOs face is that, that when they have seen early success and they get funding, mm -hmm. they start going down a road that they don't think that they can go back from. Mm -hmm. And so when they get to that next wall, if that wall is so big that they're not able to push their, that product that they have and have raised funds on, and if they're not able to push that through that wall, then they just keep banging on that wall until the yeah. end of the day, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes I think that you get to a point with some products and some companies where the only way you're going to be able to get past that wall is to make much bigger decision than maybe you feel immediately comfortable by. Maybe it's not even like directly aligned with what you originally intended for the company. And you have to ask yourself, that question. And right. that's not an easy thing to make. Pivoting can, can kill a company. Um, it can also save it. So, but I do see a lot of companies getting to a certain wall and, right. they, and it seems like it's very hard to see like a drastic change as the potential solution because there's so much that needs to be done. And, and a lot of times I think founders or CEOs, they, they, they're set on whatever that you know, whatever got them to that point, they're like, well, this has been working so far. Right. There's just, we're just not getting enough clients. We just don't have enough funding. And it's sort of, I think there is one other component, which is maybe whatever you were building up until now can only really get you this far. And in order to really take it to the next level, you have to then adapt, wretch yourself in right. a way that is very hard and very uncomfortable. Yes. So. That, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And I have a question for you. Isn't pivot the same word as changing directions <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the, is the fancy word that people like to use yes um, sounds smart <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just joking because like, i know pivot your company no trust me it, <laughs> so i like you know i'm new to the venture space honestly i'm about a year green from okay and it, there's a, there's a lot of fun to be had when it comes to <laughs> the way that people talk in this space, and I definitely am a culprit of it a little bit sometimes. Yeah, so am I. I, I and I and I get called out on it as well. So it, it, it just stops and make it makes you laugh a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, Philip, if, if people want to find out more about your program, um, how what's the best way to get in touch with you? That's a great a great question. So we do have a website. We're we're rolling out a brand new one in the coming weeks. So if I tell people to go to the website now, they'll probably be disappointed. But if they wait like a, a week or two, then okay. then definitely do that. Um, but I'm also happy to connect with people via via my email as well. I don't know if there's a, a easy way to, to convey that. Yeah, I can certainly share them with our listeners and we'll share your social information as well when we publish the podcast. Please do. We have a Facebook as well, Instagram and and we're always working on getting new followers and increasing more valuable content. So, so I'm going to ask you one wacky question to end our conversation. Sure. If you could be any animal, what would it be? Uh, <laughs> good. Um, I think that most people say that I am closest to a, some kind of bear. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I like that. I think bears are like pretty strong animals, but also uh, like adorable. So. Yes with being those two things and loving i think bears seem to have this uh at oh, least know, bears, right? version. yeah yeah right <laughs> and, um, you know hopefully hopefully <laughs> well thanks so much for taking the time to be with me today and i look forward to keeping in touch and hearing about all these great entrepreneurs that are uh, joining the ranks and being part of your program no oh, and, and thank you for having me on here and, and hopefully we'll have a chance to to have you back soon you provide a lot of value to the startup so thanks for that thank you take care 
All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.